listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 55, covering The Last Outpost and Where No One Has Gone Before. Hello, friends. How are everyone? How are everyone is Matt's new catchphrase, apparently. Is it? Yes. This is the second time now you've said how are Is it? Re- wow, all right. Might have been on our other show. Might have been on Sarcastic Voyage, but I, you said how are everyone recently in something that I edited. I don't know. All right, well, very well. How are everyone? Yeah. How's your butts? Please don't oh. tell us how your butts are. Um, we are here again to talk more about Star Trek like we do. Um, yep. And uh, I was surprised to find that I didn't hate this week's episodes. I think Matt may disagree with me, but... Uh, I was pretty bored by this week's episodes. Yeah, but they, you know, no Space Africa, so that's something. No, that's true. Although uh, the the rape camp count is up to, what, three now? Yeah, we're up to three rape camp counts. Yeah, and, you and know. Rape, <laughs> rape camp counselor. That's tough. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that sounds like a horrible uh, Wheel of Fortune. One of those, you know, the puzzles where they stick two things together. Oh, yes. Rape camp counselor. <clears throat> Alright, so the first episode was mine, and it is The Last Outpost. So let me tell you people about that. I volunteered for this episode because I thought it was a different one. This is not the last time this will happen, I'm certain. The episode I thought I was doing involved all these portals opening up to distant galaxies left by an ancient civilization. This episode also featured the remnants of an ancient civilization, but instead of the cool portals, we got a guy named Portal, who, for all his alien origins, looked like he would have been more comfortable warming himself over a flaming trash can, reaching his grubby, fingerless, gloved hands into an old can of beans for sustenance. Also, he carried an axe of some kind, or a mace or a morning star, I don't know. I'm not a weapons guy. Ask any neckbeard and a kilt at Dragon Con what kind of weapon the dude had. He'll know. Anyway, the point I'm dancing around here is that this is the first appearance of the Ferengi. The Ferengi were meant to be the big new threat for Next Gen, like the Klingons and the Romulans were to Kirk. Except in true Roddenberryan fashion, this got whizzed right down the show's leg. Probably because the Ferengi are greedy privateers. I believe Riker and Data used the phrase Yankee traders about 17,000 times in the episode. And the Federation has no money and no apparent concept of greed. Which we never understood, but that's the world we're playing in here, so we kind of have to accept that. Yeah, the Ferengi, they're not good. I mean, cool makeup. Full points for giving us the best the 1987 TV budget could deliver, and I don't even mean that sarcastically. But their whole weird crouching and slinking posture, their horrible laser whips, and their awful, well, everything. Their awful everything is my problem with the Ferengi. And I keep telling myself, hey, at least Armin Shimmerman was great as Quark in Deep Space Nine, which is true, but Armin Shimmerman is a Ferengi in this episode, too, so they even managed to retroactively sully that somehow. Still, all of this notwithstanding, I didn't hate this episode. I know that really isn't coming through in this recap, and I'm not even sure I could point to a specifically good scene or performance exactly, but I will say this. This episode was the first time in the past three weeks where I felt like I was actually watching The Next Generation. There are still a lot of pieces that aren't in place just yet, but many of them did come together here, and I got kind of a glimpse of the show I remember loving. Troy's still more useless than a laser whip, though. Oh, and there's an awful subplot involving Chinese finger cuffs, but not in the filthy Kevin Smith sense. The episode ends with Picard beaming a case of them over to the Ferengi ship, where there'll be no Tribble at all. I really didn't want to end this recap with that joke, but I'm pretty sure the only reason the episode ends that way is so I can. (laughs) I like to think that, you know, 
25 years ago, they wrote this episode with me in mind. Yes. One Someday day, this show is going to get reviewed by two guys on something called a podcast. And he's going to want to make that triple joke, so uh, we better set this up for him now. Look, we've already had to retire the... I've already had to retire the George Decay impression. It would be a shame to have to retire the triple joke, too. I don't think there are any triple references at all in Next Gen, come to think No, of. I, I think, don't think there are. I don't think until we get to Deep Space Nine. Um, so, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, the Ferengi were terrible. I'm not going to deny that. I need to say no. this up front because... I do have kind of a, I don't know, not a defense of them, but... A fondness? I don't, no, definitely not a fondness. I, well, I love to hate them. Like uh, That's true. The way they were presented here is exactly, like, they weren't misrepresented. They were, they were acted and portrayed exactly the way they were written, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. They, they were meant to be this mysterious threat, and then when you met them, they were supposed to be annoying. And that's yeah. exactly what they were, like... The show didn't fuck that up. No, we talked about this during the uh, the actual episode. Like, and y- your sort of take on it was that, like, well, it's supposed to not understand what they are, and then when we see them, we're kind of let down by the fact that they're sort of ridiculous. Yeah, and when you watch, you know, Riker and, and the other guys reacting to them on the planet, they just kind of roll their eyes. Like, yeah, the really? This is what we were scared like, of? The, tr- no. the crew never treats them as like, oh no, the Ferengi coming over here with their laser whips and they're prancing yeah. about. Yeah. This is the greatest threat we've ever faced. And I was like, no, wow, one, look at these guys. Once you see them, it's like, whoa, we, that's what we were scared of, really? So, you know. That's, Come on, dude, we had a war with the Klingons, for Christ's sake. Yeah, and we've been fighting the Romulans for years, and, you know, we, we know scary. Yeah, you guys are not no. it. <laughs> no, honey, put the laser whip away. She's so, coming out with a laser whip. Whatever happened to the laser whip? So, I don't know. On, on the one hand, yeah, they're goofy and dumb and all that. But on the other hand, that's exactly what they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And I think they would have worked better if we'd met them the first time in, like, season three. I think the problem is we're so early on, and this is the first major alien race we've met. And it's supposed yeah. to be like, okay, let's see what the show can do. Oh. And they have been hinted at earlier. Like, they get a mention yeah. in uh, Farpoint. Right. Um... But if, you, if you'd maybe, you know, let off with the Cardassians or something like that, and then uh, a little little further down the road then showed the Ferengi, they probably wouldn't have come off as so terrible because we could see, okay, the show's capable of doing evil if they want. Yeah. These guys are just goofy. But or so so early. So what is this, episode four or something? Yeah, this is episode four. And yeah. we, we really should first... be introduced to, like, an actual threat. Yeah. Or at the very least, something interesting and weird. Mm-hmm. These guys are just, you know, greedy and awful, and there's three of them, and they're doing ridiculous, comical, uh, you know, vaudeville things, and it's very hard not to just keep comparing them to the Three Stooges. Because yeah, exactly. It's just so, you know, I, I don't know, I don't like the Three Stooges, <laughs> so I, I can't actually make it. I'm Mo! Yes, and uh, you knucklehead, and so forth. Yeah, it feels like they're on their way to go paint a wealthy debutante ceiling during a dinner party. <laughs> Exactly. Um, but as I said, I think there were hints of what actually makes Next Gen Next Gen, what, set it, mm. what sets it apart. There are some very original series elements here. You pointed out that um, the first, you know, the first couple of acts, the, the mysterious, you know, the, the tension and all that tried to be a little too like uh, the Corvamite Maneuver or something. Yeah, like exactly. That. They were very tr- much trying to sort of capture the, uh, the uh, tense submarine stuff that the original series did so well. 
I agree, and I think they didn't do it as well. However, I do like that they started off with that, and then they moved on to something else. The whole yeah. episode wasn't that, because I don't think... Like, you know, I'm pretty sure they were aware of that. And like, okay, we've we've done this already. So let's start here and then go to something else. Um, But there were a lot... Of, I think this episode and in the next one, you start seeing the crew being more of a team. Yeah. You start seeing where, you know, the dynamic on the Enterprise was always everyone does what Kirk says. Here, I mean, Picard's clearly in charge, but the input of his senior officers is very important to him. And you yeah. really, you get that team feel here more than you, you did in the past. Which is nice. Everyone yeah. chimes in. <laughs> Worf and Tasha chime in with the exact same thing again, but still. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, the, more, the more I see it, the more I realize Denise Crosby leaving was a good thing. Because I always thought Worf was brought to the foreground after she left, but he's always been there. Uh, which was a misremembering on my part. I thought they mm -hmm. sort of made him security after she left. But basically his job is, yeah, to just say what she's saying. Only since he's a lesser rank, they don't pay attention to him. Shut up. Tell me. Get, let your superior officer talk. Yeah. Oh. She's just going to say the same thing anyway. But I believe if this wasn't the first appearance, did we see the, the conference room before? Did we see them all? No, I think going? this is the first, uh, the first shot of the conference room. And I like that. I like that that's how Picard runs things. He's, yeah, which know. is, and it's going to be like a huge thing as we move along. Yeah. And that's what really sets this, this crew apart is, yeah. you know, he values... Like, ideally, he's put the best person in charge of every department. I don't think that's the case yet. Uh, as we will see, you know, engineering in particular doesn't have the best guy for the job down there yet. But High turnover right down there. Yeah. But eventually, Jordy will find his way down there, and Worf will slide into security, and then it'll be like, okay, everyone's where they should be. Let's let's hear what the best and brightest have to say. Yeah. And there's this great um, hologram thing yes, on the conference table. Yes, this was table. a really cool effect. And it was a surprise because I don't remember this thing. I don't no. think it pops up in any future episodes. I'm guessing it was cost prohibitive. Yeah. Because it looks good, and I imagine in 1987 it probably cost a hell of a lot of money. Yeah. But as Data's explaining the history of this this empire on this planet, uh, he shows a display of the planet and, and, and text that everyone can see from all angles. And it's, it's very cool looking, and it's like a nice, it sets it apart from the original series. And it's like, yeah, we wouldn't be looking at screens anymore, would we? No, we're done with screens. Yeah. Now we get holograms. Or holograms. Uh, or homograms. <laughs> Homogram. That so, clever yeah. shark. <laughs> um, let's see. What else was there? Um, there were, see, uh, there were children in the... Um, oh, yeah, that was weird. In the conference room for no reason at all, which I don't really like at all. No. Although okay. I did like Riker's like, get out, get out! Yeah. Get out! No, I, get out of there! Get out! No, I get the feeling that Riker's kind of the cool, you know, like, he probably, he might have let them in there even. Yep. But, oh god, the captain's here. Guys. I told you, yeah. no, I told you you could play in here as long as you cleaned up and got out when the captain came in. If you see the captain coming, you hightail it out of here. Now, what did you I tell run. you? run. Yeah. Um, what else? So, yeah, there's the Ferengi. Oh, the, like the, the... Oh, yeah, the Frankie ship is really nice. I, I think we were both, uh, like, really surprised by this episode and the next one, visual effects-wise. Like, it'll be cool to see the Blu-rays and see what they've cleaned up and what they've changed. Yeah. But, uh... Honestly, there's not a whole lot they need to fix in these two. No, I mean, I was expecting from, you know, getting off on the foot of the really sad-looking space net from Farpoint, 
I thought, oh, God, these effects are going to be super cheesy. And no, I mean. No, they're actually super nice. The fake location they go to, which I guess behind the scenes they call Planet Hell, um, that looked pretty okay. I mean, it it was obviously a set. They weren't on location, but it still looked all right. Yeah, it was a good set. Yeah, it was good, like, uh, um, composite stuff with, you know, like weird storms behind Riker and all that stuff. Yep. Um, Big cement crystals. Yeah, why not? To climb upon. Or get hung from, yeah. But, um... No, what are you doing? I'm resting. Yeah, there was was some nice... That's really it for me, is why I didn't hate these episodes. The crew is already starting to feel their way around the characters. Nobody really feels early season one out of character like you get with a lot of other shows. Everyone's sort of settling into their roles. There's a lot of nice small comedy moments like even even when the story's dumb even when there's something stupid happening the you know you put lavar burton and brent spiner together or patrick stewart and and jonathan frakes together and give them a couple of snappy kind of funny lines of dialogue and they they carry it like every time yeah and it's not like these guys took a while to find their rhythm or to find their chemistry it's like it's there already yeah they, they've been they they click right out of the gate which is great that really uh-huh. helps in a in a you know boring and tedious or nonsensical episodes it really helps yes because there's even even late even into like season seven mm-hmm. there's a few episodes that are painful to me but then you get these great cutaways with like data and Jordy just hanging out that make them okay yep so and then i again as as deliberate comedy goes the ferengi were meant to be kind of a joke i think that's the impression i get here and maybe future episodes will contradict that but when when they meet the stupid homeless portal guy <laughs> After he's a giant floating head, and then he's a guy wrapped in a tarp, um, and he's talking to Riker, and the the Ferengi are just sort of slinking around and popping up, and he's like, "Who will accept the challenge? Him? He will." Like, <laughs> this guy. Yeah. We're cowards. <laughs> you don't understand. We told the human to do that. Yes, obviously. He stole the answer, and also he wants your car. <laughs> Look at me, I don't have a car. <laughs> he told me earlier that you guys look like dorks. <laughs> he stole fizzy lifting drinks. <laughs> you should yeah. give me all the presents and him nothing. <laughs> Why can't we have money and hair and him nothing? <laughs> uh, I sure hope I come back on the second spinoff of this show. <laughs> So you had a theory because Armin Shimmerman was one of these guys. You want him to be Quark really badly. Yeah, there's no. They never say. They never give him a name. That I no. The, the Daemon, which is uh, Ferengi captain, uh, has a name, but that's not Armin Shimmerman. The other two guys don't get names. So yeah, it could be him. And his makeup, like he's wearing Quark makeup, basically. That's true, and there are different looks for a Ferengi. Like you, could, yeah, you know, like much if like Klingons, been, you could if his, make them. If his, if his ears and stuff had looked different, then I wouldn't bother. But, like, he looks like Quark. <laughs> yeah. So, fuck it. That's Quark. Okay. He used to work on... He he conned his way onto a Ferengi ship saying he was a science officer. All, all we really see him doing is tasting the communicators to see if they're made of gold. Yeah, and so I totally believe... That, yes. I completely believe that Quark knows what gold tastes like, so... Yeah, you... you okay, on a, on a Ferengi ship, you have your Daemon, who is, like, the, mm. you know, the, the, the lead guy. And then you have your gold taster, and right. then you have your laser whip operator. Yes, that's the and crew that's how of a Ferengi, Ferengi ship works. Yeah, that's that's the crew of a Ferengi horseshoe crab ship. Yes, and there may be other guys too, but 
Oh, there, there must be the camera operator who holds the camera way too <laughs> uncomfortably close to your face when you're having a video conference. <laughs> Back off, sludge. Slurge. What's a good What's a good Ferengi name? I, it's like Bach or Dom or, you know, like, they usually, like, there's an O in the middle and it's like a short one syllable, like, you know. like Back up like, a bit, Corge. Yeah, like, no, you're, you're going more Klingon with it. It's yeah, like that Rom, is more Klingon. Rom and Nog, like Bach or Tom. Tom. Tom the Ferengi. <laughs> Back up, Tom. <laughs> Damn on Tom. <laughs> You're holding that thing too close. <laughs> All right. Anything else about this one? Uh, No, I think we can move on. Okay. Yeah, I, I just, I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. It just, mm. I, if it had happened a little bit later, I probably would have liked it more because the Ferengi are kind of weird and... uh I don't, I don't, I don't completely hate them yet. Oh, my, my one other point, um, which, okay, it's early. They haven't figured out all the continuity stuff yet. It's fine. And you know us, we don't really care. No, not specifically. But they make a point, I think later in season one, possibly in season two, but it's a very early episode when they point out, uh, how Picard lost his uh, previous command, the Stargazer. Mm. Uh, and it was to a mysterious ship that ended up being Ferengi. Yeah. And I think he at least knew that they were called the Ferengi. It just surprises me in this episode that they don't say anything about, well, I encountered these people before, but I don't know what they look like, or, you know, something. I don't really want to talk about it. No, it's just no one's ever heard of anything before. Mm. And now, you know, like, not too long from now, they're going to discover, oh, well, that's how I lost my first ship. That's not Yeah. So I, I don't know. Again, I, could see, I could see Picard this early in the series not wanting to talk about how his last ship got blown up. That's true, but on the other hand, I mean, at the beginning where they're like, does anyone know anything about these guys? Nope, nope. No. Nope. I don't think he would withhold information. Yeah, no, that that's true. So, all right. Um, well, my uh, good thing, bad thing, the good thing would be that awesome hologram in the conference room, because mm. that was awesome. And the bad thing would be an ancient portal guarded by some homeless dude with an axe. All right. And uh, my good thing is uh, Picard's discussion in the ready room. Very nice thing them chatted up. And my bad thing is the goddamn Ferengi, who I will go on to like quite a bit in DS9, but right now are stupid and have laser whips. And No, I'm I'm making a lot of apologies for them in this episode. Mostly, like I say, I think they're played as written. I think they're supposed yeah. to be stupid. But I, I think this may be the most likable they ever will be in Next Gen, which is not very. Mm -hmm. They just, they completely fail to be any kind of a presence at all. I think... I think one joke appearance should have been it, and then they should have just been, oh, those guys, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. But they keep coming back, and I think that's the real problem. Mm. And my and quote? Oh, go ahead. And, and taking over stuff that they have no right to take over. No, they just they just stole a thing. Yep. They just went to a Federation outpost and took a thing. Yep. And then when they get called, they're like, no, we didn't steal anything. This was no. always ours. Yeah, obviously. You, we don't know what it you, does. You're crazy. It, look, it's got a, it's got one of those little label maker labels that says property of the Federation, but uh, we put that there. <laughs> well, it was either them or Batman. Yeah, obviously. Um, and my quote, uh, they actually slipped a, a, a swear word through. Slipped a, he, he, <laughs> Picard swore a cuss mm -hmm. uh, in, in French, but uh, here's that. Yep. And for those of you who don't know, he's saying shit. Uh, that actually, uh, <laughs> that actually, before I saw this episode, that comes up in some of the books, uh, especially yeah. a bunch of the Peter David ones. I'm like, Picard wouldn't say shit. Oh, Apparently I guess he does. 
No, and early on, you pointed this out. Early on, they kind of stressed the whole, he's a little defensive about France thing. Yep. And they kind of dropped that later. But I like early on, when they're sort of still sort of feeling their way out with the character. It's like, well, okay, he's French, so let's throw some French stuff in there. And I think one of the models... I think one of the models they were using French explorer-wise was uh, Jacques Cousteau. Like, he was the, you know, the undersea explorer. And they were like... Mm. Uh, Okay, well, there's a, there there is some. I mean, there's other guys too, but uh, but as a contemporary example of okay, there's a there's a tradition of French explorers who were kind of brave and go look at strange new things. Yep. And that was supposed to be, you know, it wasn't that ridiculous. So I don't know. Looking back though, he, look, we've said this before: England conquered France. That's just that's the story <laughs> we're going with. Yep. All right. You wanna now go on to the the next episode? Yes. Okay. I'm doing. I'm doing. Uh, where no man has gone before. And wait, didn't I already do this one? All right. Okay. So we got Kirk showing up for the first time, playing check chess with Spock. And excuse me, where no one has gone before. Ah. Different All right. Episode, right. Okay. Uh, so the Enterprise is scheduled for a tune-up to her engines and picks up smug douchebag engineer Kaczynski and his lameless, smooth-talking buddy with hooves. <laughs> right. Riker and current and, and current chief engineer number four eighty three are skeptical. They run the numbers through the ship's computer, and the stuff doesn't actually seem to be doing anything. Wesley, who's been sniffing around engineering looking for his misplaced Captain Picard box, befriends, na- befriends the nameless hoof owner. Kaczynski, meanwhile, is allowed to make his changes, but something goes wrong, and then the Enterprise goes flying past warp ten. It arrives far, far away, some place in a particularly trippy area of space. Zinsky, convinced of his own brilliance, begins working on a solution. Meanwhile, Wesley, worried about his new friend, possibly because he finally found one that he didn't build himself, <laughs> notices that the alien is fa- faded in and out of space when the ship warped and deduces using a brain far superior to anything the finest crew in the Federation has that the alien may have something to do with it. He tries to tell Riker, but genius is never acknowledged in its own time! <laughs> The alien reveals himself to Picard as the Traveler, a kind of space hippie bumming, bumming rides around the galaxy. Uh, he accidentally sh- sent the ship far away, but using all of his strength, as well as Wesley's faith in him, the Traveler returns the Enterprise home. Before he leaves, the Traveler tells Picard that Wesley is a beautiful, gifted flower and that he should be allowed to nur- be nurtured. Picard allows Wesley a seat on the bridge as acting ensign. Oh good, we'll be seeing more of him. <clears throat> Yeah, and uh, this is sort of a continuing saga with us on on Twitter. Uh, apparently, several people like Wesley. Yeah, which this is, is something shocking. I, I'm not going to go into the whole uh, hating Wesley, liking Wesley, whatever, particularly right now. But mm-hmm. I, I will say, I've been on the internet a long time, and up until recently, I believed it was a given that yeah. we are we all disagree on just about everything. There's there's someone to believe everything, but we're all on the same page hating Wesley Crusher, and mm-hmm. it's weird to think that's not true anymore. Yeah, no, I like, I like, I understand people liking Will Wheaton now that he's no, that's a whole other thing on the internet. Yeah, that's not what we're talking about. No, we're talking about this character as portrayed on this show mm. that we're watching right now. Um, but that said, he actually, if he was the way he was in this episode the whole time, mm-hmm. I wouldn't hate him. I no. wouldn't like him. But no, he was. He there was, shouldn't be a kid on the bridge. But yeah, but he was like interested and curious about mm-hmm. stuff, you know, like engineering and all that. But he was respectful, and any time an officer said back off, he didn't try to say, eh, but I know better. He's like, yes, sir, you're right. I'm yeah. I'm just a kid, and you are in command. 
Yeah, there's none of this like pfft, adult shit that comes up later. Yeah, no, he's he's respectful and yep. he's smart, but he's not arrogant. And I think all the arrogance in the room got sucked up by Kaczynski, so that helped. Well, yes. Like, there was no room to be smug because all the smug was being sapped up by that guy. By this Chris Kattan-looking motherfucker. Oh, man. And I watched the whole episode thinking, who does he look like? And I I, uh, I looked him up. I thought, no, I haven't seen any of the stuff he's been in. And, and Matt, you, you totally nailed it. Chris Kattan, yeah. absolutely. Ugh. Which I am not a fan of Chris Kattan, so that I, does not help. No. Oh. I'm gonna as far as I know, no one is a fan of Chris Kattan. Uh, uh, Chris, Kattan no. Chris Kattan fans can write us at uh, podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, if there's one, I guess he's taken the Wesley Crusher position now. If there's one mm. thing we know, nobody likes Chris Kattan. No, nobody likes either. Chris Kattan. No. Um, I don't know. I, I typically don't like that sort of metaphysical mumbo jumbo about space and time and thought being the same thing. Like, no. That means human thoughts have some significance, and I, I just, I don't believe that. No. We're a they're speck on a speck like, in the middle of nothing. Yeah, there's supposed to be this tie between, like, the human brain and time and space. It's just, it just doesn't no. make any sense. No, I don't like that. That said, no. though, like, that's that's a concept I don't like, but I don't think it's a bad one, and I think no. it's pulled off pretty okay here. Everyone's sort of, as, as you say, tripping balls, and mm -hmm. there's some nice, creepy visual stuff going on. There's a, a Picard's in the turbo lift, and a door opens just out into space, and yep. that that's suitably creepy. Um, there's a bit, <laughs> there's a bit where, uh, as uh, I was watching the episode with with Amanda, and she pointed out, everyone's you know uh, fantasizing about their pets or about art that they love, and Picard's fantasy is having a tea party with his grandma. Yeah, he just turns a corner and I maybe she's French. Oh well, there's that too. She sounds like a gypsy, like German, like French. Who knows? But she yeah, goes that's... to like five accents talking to him. And and my uh, my my no prize explanation for that is Picard only remembers her as a small child, and he didn't really you know she just knew she's he just knew she sounded strange. Yep, I so buy he doesn't it. really remember right. Um, but I love right after she sort of fades out, he puts the ship on red alert. Uh, which which led to, if we were still doing the alternate title gag, I totally would have gone with Imaginary Grandma Alert. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> My grandma disappeared! <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like I said, I don't like... I don't know. In a science fiction show, I don't like when you get inside people's heads. In general, that's just not my thing. No, because I feel like... For one thing, getting inside people's heads shouldn't be this straightforward. Yeah. You know, and, like... I'm talking more in the other episodes where someone's lying in sick bay and we have some machine that can jump into their dreams or something. Yeah. I just, I don't, I'm not a fan of that. No. But that said, that's just me not liking it. That I, I will acknowledge that it's, you know, it's part of the genre. It's part of, you know, Star Trek. Star Trek's never exactly been super scientifically accurate anyway. No. And this is very Gene Roddenberry. It's very the power of human heart is what's going to blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And so that said, it's actually not that bad. There's some good character stuff going on here. There's Wesley being the least insufferable I've ever seen him. Yeah, that is much appreciated. The Traveler's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. like I actually really like cool. the actor who plays the Traveler. Yeah, the actor, the actor he's got a, plays he's, it down. Yeah, he, he's got sort of a... He's, he's very casual, you know? Yeah. It's it's that sort of that sort of relaxed guru thing. That whole yeah, I'm more advanced than you, but I'm not an ass about it. Yeah, like he really like feels I got it all like, figured out. 
he really feels like a sp- like like a space hippie, but not yeah. like in like sort of stupid way. Like no, he not in a way to eat like, way. No, he he literally feels like a dude who is like who's sort of evolved beyond us, who's just bumming yeah. his way around the galaxy. But also watching us. Yeah. Keeping an eye on us. Yeah, you you guys are all right. You're coming along okay. Can I hitch with you? Awesome. <laughs> yeah. And he's got uh, he's got those hooves, which I'm not a fan of, but uh, they, they, the rest of the makeup looks pretty good. Yep. Um, I even like is... the hooves just as, like, making him look different. No, the design I don't mind. The fact that they look like he was wearing flesh-colored oven mitts was my well, problem. Well, yes. They weren't, he they very weren't much done had very penguin well. fingers going on. Yeah, but they weren't done very well. No. Like, uh, the, the, the actual face makeup was pretty good. And in the previous episode, the Ferengi makeup was quite good. Yeah, it but, was. Um, but the, the, the actual... The hand stuff, and I don't know that they can ever do hands very well. No, hands are really difficult to do. Just yeah, because the actors have to use them. Yeah, they have to handle things. They have to push the panels. They have to pick things up. It's mm. you know, it's not like putting something on your face where you can just leave it there. You have to. Yeah, it has to be able to move and stuff. So yeah, but no, he was good. Kaczynski was, I think, suitably over the top, like just ridiculously arrogant. I mean, you know, he was fine. Well, of course it went this way. I don't you know that I'm a super genius? <laughs> Listen, I'm a big, I'm a big wheel down at the Cracker Factory. <laughs> but then, okay, here's my biggest problem with this episode: the chief engineer, as you say, an English chief engineer number four eighty three, mm. uh, is this okay? First of all, and I say this as as a man who um, gets winced at by my wee fit when I step on the scale. Uh, he's he's a bit overweight. He's a bit uh, he's a bit paunchy. Mm-hmm. Those uniforms are not kind to the paunchy. No, but but putting that aside, that's not why I don't like him. I don't like him because he's supposed to be in charge of engineering and he doesn't do or say anything. Nope. And I just keep thinking Scotty would not let all this happen. Jordy later on would not let all this happen. Chief O'Brien would not let this happen. Even fucking Balana Taurus would not let this happen. What is no, wrong with you? You don't let some dude come over and fuck with your engines. But even if he's done that and something's gone wrong, you try to fix it. You don't just stand there with your hands clasped behind your back and wait to see what happens. Mm-hmm. And that's what he did. Okay, Starfleet has ordered you to let this jackass on your ship and change your engines. You shouldn't be happy about that. But okay, fine, no. whatever. You're polite. Okay. <laughs> Once it's clear that he's fucked it up, then you try to fix it because it's your ship. Yeah. But Riker basically... Let- was making all the decisions. Like, Riker yeah. made all the calls and, <laughs> like, liaised with this guy directly and was like, the chief engineer didn't even need to be there. Mm-hmm. Just use... And as we saw in the episode before, he wasn't there. No. Like, last episode had a, a sizable chunk in engineering with uh, with Jordy, and there was no engineer to be seen. No, they sent Jordy as, as the navigator or whatever he is right now down to engineering to solve this special problem. This, yeah. Uh, the thing that the ship was trapped in. And he had, a, he had a good plan. It didn't work. But, you know, at least he was trying. He was spitballing. Yeah. He was throwing ideas out there. And, um... Woo-wee! <laughs> but, but I like... Jordy's a dork. I think that's why we like him so much. Yes. he's not cool. <laughs> but he's kind of lovable because he's not cool. And, yeah. And that's why he kind of belongs in engineering and why his best friend is a robot and why he only dates holograms. Yes. All of that makes perfect sense. And when when he gets excited, he gets a little too excited, and mm. he looks like a dork. That that works for me. Woo <laughs> wee! Like that that just works. But um, I don't know. I just and I know it's because we know what comes later, and I I, I kind of wish we could forget that just so we can judge this on its own merits. 
but every week it's like look you got a great character with nothing to do and you got an area of the ship that needs somebody good why don't you just put him there yeah like this goes there square peg goes in square hole move Jordy. instead we just get this endless procession of uh of uh engineering officers that are just completely forgettable and largely useless yeah I mean, the, the, the weird robot chick from a couple of weeks ago was okay, but... Yeah, you know. and her retarded best friend, who I will never forget. <laughs> no, I don't think she liked him. I think she was just assigned. Like, Here, yep. here's your, here's your uh, second in command. Oh, really? Yay! <laughs> he wasn't even affected by the virus, it turns out. <laughs> That's just what he's always like. Ugh. But yeah, this, guy, this beardo, um, just not, <laughs> not good. Not good. Plus, like I say, not not really repping the fat guys too well. No. Like, uh, if you, well, if you in wanna... the future, in, in the future, it's a lifestyle choice. Well, right, exactly, because I mean, you know, you can just have unsightly fat just beamed right out of your body. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Lipo beaming. It's like, no, I want to look shitty in my uniform. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. They're form fitting, which mm -hmm. is great if you have any kind of boobs and you're a lady. Not yep. so great when you have any kind of boobs and you're a man. <laughs> Chief so, Engineer Bitch Tits, what do you think? <laughs> it's pronounced Bitch Tots. No, it's not. Dick. His name was Lieutenant Robert Paulson. <laughs> so we had yet another mention of Tasha in the rape camps with the rape gangs on the rape And her planet. rape cat. <laughs> the rape cat, yeah. Well, first you get this great, and okay, it's a little cheesy. I think they they dressed up a filthy anteater or something. Yep. I don't know what it was, but it was Worf and his Targ, which yeah. we've seen is like a Klingon like dog. Uh, we saw that in, in Star Trek Three, and it was like a puppet. Yeah, this, now it's like a Klingon pig. Yeah, it looks a little better than that, and it looks like the same kind of animal. And Worf's like excited. He's like, ooh, my pet, yay! Um, and then Tasha saw her cat, and that brought her back to memories of the rape camps on the rape planet. In the yeah, rape when she was raped, rape. chased by rape gangs with rape flashlights. Yeah. Yeah, and this is, I think, the third, seriously, the third time in five episodes that she's mentioned that. Yep. Now, I appreciate, I, I, even going so far as to say, I appreciate the character's backstory is that she's been through some shit. Yes. They do this to much greater effect with Kira down the line in Deep Space Nine where she lived in horrible concentration camps with her family, and then she became a terrorist living sort of out on the fringes. And, you know, they did that well. Yep. But here, it's just like, she mentions it every week. Yep. Like, if you've been through this, and you're traumatized, and that's what makes you tough and, and sort of inaccessible, that's cool, I get that. You don't want to keep bringing it up. No, you don't wear that on your sleeve. That's your that's your dark past. That's your secret shame. That's yeah. not something you just tell everyone all the time. So that, you know, little, little, little heavy handed. And by yeah. a little, I mean a lot. I I would be perfectly happy if we never talked about rape camps again on this show. I don't know that they'll come up again with Tasha, but I know when her sister shows up, she mentions them again. Mm -hmm. So that we get that. It's too. just, it's such a weird classification. It's just like, these are the, ra these are the rape camps. They're camps that you go to, to get raped at. They're patrolled by rape gangs who are yeah. specifically, who were specifically formed to rape. Yeah, Amanda was watching this, like I said, watching this with me, and she's like, you know, I'm sure those guys do other things. <laughs> and she's like, listen, as a woman and as a as a sensible person, not to defend the rapists, but 
surely they don't just exist to rape and nothing else. They must do something else. Get up nope. in the morning, rape, and then go back to sleep. I guess. That's, I mean, that's that's letting your job define you, really. Yeah. I'm I'm a, I'm a fully well-rounded person. I'm not just a rape gang guy. I'm, I do other things. <laughs> I have an Etsy shop. I I'm cross-stitching. Yeah. Oh boy. Ugh. So, anything else about this one? I I didn't hate this one. It was kind of kind of fun. You you said you were. I don't a know. Bored, I found this episode really boring. I did not. I actually kind of liked it. Also, Diane Duane wrote it, and she wrote some of my favorite uh, original series novels. Um, yeah, no, I like Diane Duane. Yeah, and a you lot. can see, you can see. I think some of the subtle character stuff was probably yeah. her. No, she's she one of the. Dialogue. She's one of the uh, my go-to Trek novelists. Yeah, one of the few. Yeah, you can de- like there. There are decent Trek novels. We pointed them out on our on our blog before, but um, uh, it's always a crapshoot because there's so many books and so few of them are definitely good. And there's only a few authors you know are always going to deliver something good, and she's one of them. Yep, like her and Peter David and like one or two other people. Yeah, so no, I was I was excited for this episode, but uh, I was I was pretty bored. No, I enjoyed it, and I actually, Voyager notwithstanding, they they ruined the concept. But I like the idea of the ship being thrown so far that they can't get back home. That's a cool idea to me. I I, I actually like the idea of them getting thrown far away from home and considering staying there to see what's what there is to see. Yeah, and they'll that revisit a, that. That is In, a very like explorer ship. Uh, yeah, uh, philosophy. Oh, no, that's very Star Trek. It's like, yeah. well, we're stuck here. Well, we're scientists. We might as well look at what we're, you know, while we're here. Let's have a look around. Because Data was like, there's a there's a star that's about to do something that we've never seen before. Let's go take a look at that. And Picard's <laughs> like, that sounds pretty cool. I'd like to see that. Yeah. We and find yeah, out the, what these weird flying things are that are surrounding the ship. Yeah, the, the visual effects, I mean, you know little cheesy but again coming at this after watching uh, the original series and even the first few movies that were out at this point mm. this would have been like wow star trek can look pretty okay yeah no i will definitely say this about about this episode it is a great looking episode both of them i would yes. say yes like i had some problems with the the portal and his costume design but um <laughs> you know homeless <laughs> but um get away from my coffee cans my cans <laughs> But, um, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, just, I, I like the look of it. I don't like the way they're directed. There's still some really strange camera choices. Yeah. And some strange editing choices and there's some a, strange there's music a, choices. There's but. a weird shot in the first episode that's just a lingering shot of the back of the bridge. Yeah. Everyone looking really bored. Oh, and then, and then there's a scene at the end of this episode where they, as you say, they promote Wesley to acting ensign. Mm-hmm. And as, as distasteful as I find that, and... This doesn't even have anything to do with my feelings on the character. First of all, I think the character was likable enough in this episode, or at least not hateable. Yeah. But I don't think you take any civilian child, even one with a special destiny or whatever, and make them an officer on a starship. That You don't do that. No, there are ways around that. Even if I loved Wesley and he was my favorite character, I still don't think it's appropriate. No, there are, like, actual Starfleet officers who... Yeah, would, should be would do, s- taking those shifts. Would step on their grandmother's tea party to to serve on the Enterprise. Yeah, if I was the guy who was replaced, so some kid could dick around at the yeah. Bridge, so the doctor's son. Yeah, I would be really pissed off. And okay, and so then he's I would a get physics uh, genius, but yeah. you know. But you know so, what? He hasn't gone to Starfleet Academy. Yeah, you know, Starfleet Academy will will teach you how to be an officer and and use that talent. Mm-hmm. You can't, you don't just get. But okay, putting that aside, putting aside the fact that I just I have a problem with that. 
the scene where they do it is actually really well done. Um, yes. No, that is Picard and, Picard and Riker have this great dynamic, and it's great we're at week five, and they've already sort of fallen into this sort of good cop, bad cop thing. Mm. Where Picard's like, uh, uh, well, come, why don't you come onto the bridge for a minute, Wesley? And Riker's like, uh, sir, you, your orders are no, no non-officers on the bridge. Hmm. Well, yes, I did say that. Can't really well, go against that. Yeah, it is. It plays out really well. It's good dialogue, and it's it's the actors are great. Wesley doesn't over like uh, Will Wheaton doesn't overplay it. And no, you know all of my problems with Wesley and the whole situation notwithstanding, it's a good scene. Yeah, I enjoy that. So there's that. Uh, anything else about this one? Uh, no, I think that's it. All right. So what do you got for good thing, bad thing? Uh, my good thing is uh, once again the effect of this episode were really nice. Yeah. Like good. any of the space scenes, just gorgeous. And after, as we said, after far point, we kind of expect, we kind of set the bar pretty low. Yeah. Like, okay. Here comes that awful 1987 CGI space net. This oh is, no, a space net. Yeah. But no, you're, you're absolutely right. The, the weird trippy, just galaxies flying by them. Pretty great. Yep. Uh, and my bad thing was just my being consistently bored by this episode. Huh. I, I didn't find it that boring. I, it was slow. I'll give you that. But I I thought it was sort of ponderous, man. Fucking well. <laughs> uh, and for me, the good thing, uh, the hopelessness of uh, what's actually a pretty good premise, being stranded far from home, despite certain TV series that couldn't pull this idea off to save their lives, uh, the bad thing would be that waste of space engineer. Yep. All right, you got a quote? I do. You were, uh, I, I knew you were having some trouble finding quotes. I had some uh, some real trouble finding uh, finding a quote in this, and I eventually went with Worf's Kitty. What is it? Something on Tark. Oh, my pet. From home. But when I was a child... You're telling me it's a kitty cat? Yes. I suppose you could call it that. Which, I don't know if it's a deliberate callback or it's sort of a swipe from uh, Spock's teddy bear, but it wasn't that bad. No. Not bad at all. All right. Well, that is all for this week. Um, if, if nothing else, Matt, you do have to admit, there was no, uh, there were no freezing effects. No, that's true. Nobody got drunk and laid. Nobody got, uh, you know, space madness. Uh, no space Africa. I mean, yeah, no. These, these episodes were looking a little less, up. <clears throat> these episodes were certainly less stupid than the last ones. Yeah, I mean, we still got a long way to go. We're still yeah. not going to get to our our very greatest episodes for quite some time. But uh, no, I think I think this represents a step forward. And I think, if nothing else, maybe I won't defend season one as good because I think that's going too far. But season one ends way better than it starts. Let's say that. I think we're gradually moving towards something that isn't terrible. Yeah. So, so um, that's all for this week. Uh, next week, our pal Irish Gav will be joining us uh, for three episodes. So look forward to that. And Matt, take us out. See you, folks. Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham, copyright 2011. Please don't sue us, we're just doing this for fun.